Well, good morning, Bethel Bible Church. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's always a privilege and an honor to preach God's Word to you this morning. And if you want to stick around for the first song of second service, that's when we'll be having our baby dedication. We have 11 families that will be dedicating their baby to the Lord today. In 1986, in the Black Sea, there were two ships scheduled to pass by one another in the middle of the night. The admiral of a liner carrying 1,234 people spied the freighter off in the distance and radioed him to warn him, you're off course. We're going to collide. The captain of that freighter dismissed it with these words. Don't worry. We will pass clear of each other. I will take care of everything. Well, when the admiral of the liner realized it was too late, the freighter rammed into the side of that liner this is a 550-foot liner that sank in less than one hour, killing approximately 400 people. The admiral warned him, but the captain ignored the warning and said, Don't worry. I've got this. I can take care of this. How often in our own lives do we feel like We've got this. We can take care of this all on our own. We dismiss a God who's in control, a God who we call sovereign, instead thinking, I've got this. I can do this. Perhaps it's a dismissal because you're proud and you think, yeah, I can handle this. Or perhaps it's doubting, thinking, God's not going to show up. I, I have to do this. Whatever it might be, we often dismiss or doubt God being in control. Sometimes it's because we want to create favorable circumstances for ourselves. And we think, I've got to do this. I've got to bring this blessing into my life. And when it seems that the blessing or the favorable circumstance is not going to come, you step in and you take control. This morning we're going to talk about what we do when it seems that what you want is on the verge of slipping through your fingers. What do we do when those favorable circumstances, that blessing, whatever it is that you want, seems to just be out of reach? We're going to be looking in Genesis 27 at the lives of Isaac and his wife, Rebecca. And we're going to see two people here. And these two people both desire favorable circumstance for their favored son. They think it's within reach, 
But when things seem to get out of control, one dismisses the other doubts, and they both jump into action, doubting or dismissing that God is in control, and they've got this. Today, as we look at what we do when things seem to be slipping out of our fingers, we're going to be talking about dismissal, doubt, and loss. Dismissal, doubt, and loss. We're going to start with Isaac's dismissal. When we dismiss God is in control, we crack the door for deceit to creep in. When we think, God's not here, I can do what I want to do, we crack the door in our lives for deceit. We're going to see here Isaac is portrayed as an unreliable patriarch who arrogantly thought he could do whatever he wanted he dismissed God's sovereignty and attempted to deceive his wife and even God. Read with me verses 1 through 17 in Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. And he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now Rebecca was listening to when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. 
So in looking at Isaac's dismissal, I want to point out a few observations to you. The first is the text portrays Isaac as being defective with his senses. It goes through each of the five senses and somehow shows a defect. In verse 1, we see sight. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. In verses 16, we see that Rebekah put skin of young goats on the hands of Jacob. And then in 21 and 23, it says, Please come near that I may feel you, my son. And then 23, he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's hands. Senses of sight, senses of touch are portrayed as defective. We see that with smell. In verse 15, then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob. And then in 27, we see the defect. So he, Isaac, came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of Esau's garments and blessed him. And then interestingly enough, in verse 22, we see that the sense of hearing is actually functional, but this is damning upon Isaac. In verse 22, it says, So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice. So he recognized the voice of Jacob. Now what this does is it portrays the patriarch Isaac as a defective patriarch. His role was to simply pass God's blessing, the Abrahamic blessing, onto God's choice, Jacob. Yet he was unwilling. He was attempting to deceive God. And I mentioned hearing. He could hear. Now, why this is damning is because in chapter 25, God spoke to Rebekah and said, I have chosen Jacob to be the one who will carry on the blessing. No doubt, Isaac heard secondhand, perhaps, from Rebekah that God had already chosen Jacob, and yet Isaac dismissed God's sovereignty, thinking, I can slip this one past God. So we hear God's Word today through the Bible, yet we often can identify with Jacob, whether it's God's Word speaking into an unholy relationship of sorts, a shady business deal, or an issue at home that needs to be resolved. And yet, so often like Isaac, we hear God. We know what God wants us to do in that circumstance. But we relent to something else, some greater desire within. And we see that here with Isaac. He relents to something other than God's word. In our passage, it's actually delicious food. 
He loves Esau because of the delicious food that Esau brings him, that pulls at his heart. It controls him. In chapter 27, the phrase delicious food is used six times. If you were to pull it up or print it out and highlight it, it would be scattered across the page. It's, it's incredible. We see also three times Esau loves delicious food. That is his love. We see that, look with me, in verse 4. He tells Esau, prepare for me delicious food such as I love. Skip to verse 9. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves. And then second part of verse 14, it says, And his mother prepared delicious food such as his father loved. His appetite was his love. That was the controlling voice that he heard. And we see that Isaac's eating and blessing go hand in hand. Seven times in this passage, when it mentions the blessing that Esau was to pass to Jacob, it's interlaced with Isaac's eating. They're set side by side to show Isaac's sensuality was stronger than his theology. His sensuality was stronger than his theology. Like father, like son. If we remember in 25, Esau was willing to sell the birthright for red stew. In this passage, we see Isaac is willing to pass on the blessing for a delicious meal. Anything we love more than God ends up controlling us. We are desiring creatures. Anything we desire more than God ends up controlling us. It can even lead to a double life. One life in public, one life in secret. We live that secret life so that we can enjoy that sensual pleasure so that we do not have to give it up. This double life is a life of deception, which we see here with Isaac. Isaac tried to deceive Rebekah and Esau by passing on this blessing to his son. In this passage, Esau is depicted as Isaac's son, and Jacob is depicted as Rebekah's son. In verse 5, now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son, Esau. And then in verse 6, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob. So we have this double life, this deception. And what's more is we see Isaac trying to pass this blessing on in secret. Historically, when the blessing of the father was passed on to the firstborn, it was a celebratory occasion. It'd be a feast. All the family would come in. You would enjoy 
the blessing of your family. It was not a secret. He tried to slip one past his wife and slip one past God. So this blessing is of vital importance. This was much more than just an ancient Near East blessing of inheritance. It was that. It was to receive the double portion of the inheritance, but it was so much more. You see, God had chosen Abraham, and from Abraham, Isaac, and from Isaac, Jacob, to receive the covenant blessings called the Abrahamic covenant. The three categories or three main ideas of the Abrahamic covenant were land, the promised land, seed, the nation of Israel, and blessing. Both for Israel as they obeyed God, he would bless them abundantly so that the nations of the world who do not know God would stream into Jerusalem to the temple where they would meet the one true God and be saved through that relationship. So land, seed, and blessing. Esau was trying to pass, Isaac was trying to pass this to Esau. God said, no, I've already chosen Jacob for this blessing. Put yourself in Rebecca's shoes. Your aging, arrogant husband who doesn't even love the son that God had chosen. He loves delicious food. He's trying to slip one past God. And it seems the blessing is about to slip through her fingers. Esau's out in the field hunting. He'll be back in no time. I've got to act. I've got to do something. God is clearly not in control. I know what he said in 25. I know he said that he chose Jacob, but he's not acting. I've got to do something. This leads us to Rebecca's doubt. Rebecca's doubt. When we doubt that God is in control, we opt instead to maneuver by manipulation. When we doubt God is in control, we opt to maneuver by manipulation. Rebecca is portrayed as a fretting mother who manipulated her husband to secure her son's future. She doubted God's sovereignty and resorted to slipping one past her husband. Read with me as we see the conclusion of her, her manipulation in verses 18 through 25. So he, Jacob, went to his father Isaac and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord, your God, granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. 
And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate. And he brought him wine and he drank. Rebecca attempted to take the place of God in this fretful situation. We see that in the fact that she commanded her son to obey her voice. Look in verses 8 and 13. In verse 8, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. And then in verse 13, His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice. What's interesting is in 27 here, God is quiet. In chapter 26, he speaks. And in chapter 28, he speaks. Chapter 27, he is quiet. We only have Rebecca speaking for God. And what I mean by that is she's portrayed as the antithesis of Abraham, the man of faith, who when we read in Genesis 22, obeyed the voice of God by being willing to submit to the test to take Isaac to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him. It uses those exact words, for Abraham obeyed my voice. We see it as a recap in 26. I'm going to just go back to 26, verse 4, where God is speaking with Isaac and saying, And in your offspring, Isaac, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice. And kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Jacob's blessing that Rebekah was fretting over was tied to Abraham obeying God's voice. It was not tied to Jacob obeying Rebekah's voice. She attempted to step in for God what God had already secured now, the focus is on the patriarch, Isaac's faithless dismissal, as it should be. But is Rebecca excused for stepping in, speaking for God, taking hold of the situation to ensure God's will would be done? No, she's not. In fact, what we see here is that her manipulation led to lawlessness. It led to a life cozying up to curses rather than a life of blessing. Now, what I mean by that is she misled her blind husband. And in Deuteronomy, after this book, in Deuteronomy, Moses commands the nation of Israel to recite a list of curses that would be upon a person if they, did, if they broke this particular law. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read for you Deuteronomy 27. Listen to this curse. Deuteronomy 27, 18. 
These curses would be pronounced upon the nation. Deuteronomy 27, 17, 18 reads, Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man. Rebecca misled her blind husband. Rather than obtaining blessing, she was cozying up to the curses of God. She didn't need to step in for God. God could handle it. What's more is we see Jacob, by obeying the voice of his mother, also cozied up to the curses of God. In Deuteronomy 27, 16, it says, Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. Can you imagine the, the dishonor upon Isaac for the manipulation that Jacob partook in with his mother? Manipulation does not secure God's blessing. Manipulation does not take the place of God as he sovereignly governs this world and our individual lives. Manipulation brings a life of curses, not a life of blessing. I can honestly relate to Rebecca. In my own life, I have experienced, no doubt you as well, when you're in a circumstance and what you feel like you need and what you, not, what you want is so close, you're willing to even sin to get it, that good thing, whatever it might be. When we left the field of Ethiopia, for about six months, we were house hopping from one house to the next to the next. My wife totaled that our daughters slept in 23 different beds in six months. It was very difficult on them. They didn't know where home was. No one was sleeping well. So when we moved to Tyler and I got the job as pastor at Bethel, our very first step of action was to secure a home for our family. So we called Bethel Bible's very own Doc Deason, very gracious, kind man. Doc, hey Chad, hey I'm calling because I would love to go look at houses with you tomorrow. You see the market was gangbusters and this is back in May and it's still gangbusters. We would see houses pop up and the very next day they'd be pending. So we needed to jump into action. Uh, Chad, that's, that's a great idea. I, I, love, I love the idea of helping you. The problem is I can't help you tomorrow. I've got clients stacked. But I can get to you in two days. Two days? But Doc, these houses are going lickety-split. So this is where the manipulation stepped in for me as I'm fretting. Um, <clears throat> uh, Doc, maybe you don't know who I am. I'm, I'm the new pastor at the church you attend? favoritism. Oh, no, no, Chad, I, I, I know exactly who you are. Well, perhaps you don't know my circumstances. We don't have a home. Mm, guilt trip? And, Doc, we got to start work here pretty soon. We need a house. Sense of urgency. All of that in an attempt to manipulate my friend because I didn't trust God would take care of me. I didn't trust that God was in control of the circumstances. 
Sin is not sexist. Women alone are not fretters. I fretted and I manipulated and I brought curses into my life. The shame, I called Doc up. 20 minutes later, Doc, I'm sorry. He was so gracious, so kind, so forgiving, and he always is. My faithful wife said, honey, let's go home and pray. So we did, and we made out a list, and I wrote some very specific characteristics of that house that I just wanted that would make me feel like I was home. Two days later, Doc took us out. The very first house on the first day that we looked at was the exact house that Nancy and I were praying for. We went home to Doc's, uh, we went back to Doc's office, we made an offer. A couple hours later, they accepted the offer, case closed. One house, 20 minutes, done deal. God is in control, friends, and he loves us. Don't doubt, don't dismiss. Why do we worry? Because we are people growing in our Christ-likeness. It's a process. God is with us. He is growing us. And when he brings us into these circumstances, rather than fret, look to him and say, what, what is it, God, that you're trying to teach me in this moment? How can you make me more like your son in this moment? When we dismiss, like Isaac, I can do whatever I want, secret double life. When we doubt, like Rebecca, God's not in control, I've got to do something. No one wins, and everyone loses. Everyone loses. Deception and manipulation leads to loss for everyone. Like Rebecca, we cozy up to the cursed life. And like Isaac, people lose confidence in who we are. Rebecca might have secured the blessing, but the family was wounded and fractured irreparably, wounded and fractured. We see that verses 41 through 46. Just read with me here. 27, 41 through 46. Now Esau hated Jacob, hated, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, free to Laban, my brother, and Haran, and stay with him. A while, until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you, and he forgets what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? 
And Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? We see here in verse 45 that on that day, Rebekah lost Jacob. Verse 45 says, Why should I be bereft of you both in one day? What that means is Esau was going to kill Jacob, and she would lose Jacob, and Esau would run away, lost them both. Or she could send Jacob away, lose him. That way Esau wouldn't be able to kill Jacob. Either way, she lost a son. Can you imagine the resentment of Esau towards his mother for that manipulation? And what's more, Rebecca thought it would just be a little while. What we learn later on is Rebecca would never see Jacob again. Never. Dismissal, doubt, deception, manipulation. You gain nothing and everyone loses. On this day, the ship called Esau left the port of Isaac and the ship called Jacob left the port of Rebekah. And both thought they could pass by the other in the cover of night and secure the blessing without the other being wise. Collision, loss of life, fractured family, deep wounds. Friends, life is found in the light. Life is found in the light. Live in it. Don't cover, don't hide to get what you want. Death is found in the darkness. So what do we do? What do we do when it seems what we want, those favorable circumstances for ourselves, for our loved ones, good things? What do we do when we feel like they're slipping from my fingers? Trust in the faithful sovereignty of God. Not in the lies of our broken lives. Trust in the faithful sovereignty of God. And not in the lies that we tell ourselves or that we hear from our broken lives. These lies that say God's not watching or these lies that say, God's not strong enough, he doesn't care, they're broken and they lead to more brokenness when we listen to them instead of the voice of God who has revealed himself as sovereign. That means king of this universe. Not one thing happens without his care and attention. What we see here is not Rebecca securing the blessing. The focus is actually on God using 
the unfaithful, the unwilling Isaac to pass on the Abrahamic blessing of Jacob. That's God's sovereignty at work. A man who said, I won't do it, I'm going to give it to Esau, actually ended up doing it and giving it to Jacob. Nothing can prevent God's will from being done. Read verses 26 through 29 where we see Isaac pass the blessing on to Jacob. 26. Then his father, Isaac, said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. What Moses is doing here is he's teaching Israel hundreds of years later as they were to take the promised land, to live as God's people. He was teaching them, choose to be a willing channel of God's blessing for the nations. You can choose to be an unwilling channel, but God's blessing will still go forth. Or you can choose to be a willing channel, listening to God's voice, trusting in his sovereignty, and you will enjoy the process of being used by God to bless others. We see this come true. Unfortunately, the nation of Israel was unwilling Yet, God's blessing went forth when God the Son came down and took on flesh and revealed God to us, died for our sins, that we might be forgiven, that we might know this one true God who is so determined to bless the nations of the world with the saving knowledge of who He is in Jesus the blessing always goes through. Perhaps this morning you're not a Christian. What I want you to see here is a striving in the family for the blessing of the firstborn. Authority and divine blessing. This blessing, this Abrahamic blessing, is now vested solely in Jesus Christ a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The New Testament teaches that Christ is the firstborn over creation. That means he is Lord. All authority is now in him. He's preeminent. So what Isaac and Rebekah desired for their favorite child is now in Christ. He's the firstborn over creation. The New Testament also teaches that Christ is the firstborn among many brothers. Here, that means the resurrection body that Christ has, we too who have trusted in him will receive and we will be with him on a renewed earth forever 
and ever. This is called eternal life, and that's the, the goal of the blessing that Isaac and Rebekah were striving for, that God said, I'm, I'm already decided, it's in Jacob, and it will bear fruit. Eternal life is the fruit of that blessing. So if you're not a Christian, you don't have to dress up like Jacob. You don't have to dress yourself up with good works, trying to look the part to pass one on God, to slip one past God in order to receive His favor. It's not possible, and it's not necessary. Because the blessing has gone forth, you must only trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will be blessed. Eternal life. So this morning, we've seen God is certainly in control, even when the clock seems to be nearly coming to an end in this episode. God is in control when we fail to believe by dismissing Isaac or doubting Rebecca. And when we resort to deception and manipulation, we cozy up to a cursed life. There's no blessing in that. Yet when we choose to trust in the faithful sovereignty of God, we experience the joy of his blessing. We see his faithful hand at work. And friends, that hand is never too short, and that hand is never too weak. Nothing can match the hand of God that's at work in each of our lives, whether you see it or not. We are merely to trust in the faithful sovereignty of God. I got an email from a friend of mine in Ethiopia, and I'm wrapping up with this. Good news. In Ethiopia, out of the 80-plus different languages, it's about 84 to 87, depending on who, who you ask, there are now only three languages left that do not have a Bible translation work in progress. My friend, who's the director of Wycliffe, said, and we have identified one of those three to begin a Bible translation process. It will be an oral translation for a very obscure people group. What we see here is a, a line beginning in the late 1800s of missionaries who knew the job was too big, who knew they wouldn't see it completed in their life, but missionary after missionary, trusting in the faithful hand of God, that as I just walk with him, as I trust with him, God's blessing that all the nations of the earth would know him, it would come true. And today we see hundred years later that it's almost true in Ethiopia. God's blessing has gone forth. It is going forth. We merely trust that he is in control. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that instructs us and that shows us who you are. You're beautiful. 
You are so faithful. Forgive us for those times that we don't trust you, that we doubt you or we dismiss you. I do pray for us that you would strengthen us by your spirit, that we might be people who look to you, believing that you're present, believing that you are powerful enough and that you care. Grow us, our great God, especially through these trying circumstances where our eyes are upon what we want and we jump into action rather than trusting that you will deliver however you see fit. Thank you for the blessing of Christ that has gone out. May we walk in his power, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. If you'd rise to your feet, I will bless you with a benediction. Friends, go now in the strength and in the confidence of our great God who loves you, knowing that you're in his hand. He's got you. So you look to him as you go forth from here, being a light in the dark world. Amen.